You're listening to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey guys, Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. Great show planned for tonight. The college football professor himself, Adam McClintock, will join us later to give an update on his model, talk some Bethune-Cookman, and make some picks. But first, Scott Frost, the Huskers, and the fans got to celebrate their first win of the year, a 53-28 to beatdown of Minnesota on Saturday. So, guys, tonight is our 110th episode. Did you know the last time we celebrated a win on this podcast was episode 62? <laughs> it's been a long damn time, guys. And that's what happens when you have a 10-game losing streak. But, oh, my goodness, it's crazy. So, all right, let's let's get into it. Let's get into this Minnesota recap. Tyler, what did you think? I mean, you got to start with the offensive side of the ball. I mean, my God, that was a good game. I mean, we had three 100-yard rushers, a 100-yard receiver. Uh, big Red Overreaction asked the question, has that ever happened? Uh, in Husker history. I don't know if you guys ever fact-checked it, but I couldn't find that game. Um, it, it, it was It's amazing what we saw in offense. And Adrian Martinez, you know, where this kid is going, you know, I, you don't want to make any, you know, over-the-top statements, but he is tracking through his first season to be the best quarterback in Nebraska seen since Eric Crouch. Maybe the best quarterback we've ever seen. All right, don't don't don't, yeah. don't leave the art Adrian Martinez thing because I am going to jump the hype train, and I am going to get on board because that guy was twenty five for twenty nine. That guy was phenomenal in this game. He had over four hundred yards in this game. Now here's the here's the thing in Nebraska history by a freshman there have been six freshmen to have over three hundred yards of total offense. Four of those are owned by Adrian Martinez. The other two are by Taylor Martinez. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you look at he, – just real quick. Go ahead. He also has four consecutive games of 250 yards passing, which hasn't happened since 2015 with Armstrong in there. Uh, he's also eclipsed 415 yards rushing, which t- now tops uh, Tommy Frazier's record as a freshman. So this kid's breaking records as a freshman already, and this kid's exciting. He's fun. He's good. And – I can't stay off this train. He's, he, this kid's going to be so fun for the next four years if he stays healthy. Well, you know, I, I, you know, there's comparisons about what he is and what he isn't. And, you know, obviously I, I said could be one of the best quarterbacks in Nebraska history, your best in Sarah Crouch. He isn't the runner that Taylor Martinez is. That's evident. He's not as quick as Taylor Martinez. He's not the passer that Joe Gans is. But what he is through six games of his freshman campaign is the most complete quarterback that I have ever seen were the end at Nebraska. And it was evident on Saturday. I mean, Derek, you hit his passing stats. He was very efficient throwing the ball. You know, Justin, me and you questioned a little bit his ability going into the air, hitting passes downfield. This is now not one game. This is a pattern. He can throw the ball downfield. Does he make fresh mistakes time to time? Sure, he does. But the kid is accurate down the field. He was super efficient. And this was the best I've seen him run 
since Colorado. I don't know if the knee was hampering him. I mean, his speed is still maybe a little bit more to be desired, but um, he, he is he is smart where he runs. He's able to make plays. I, I love what I'm seeing. Hey, I just wanted to talk about his speed. On that first long run that he had, where uh, it looked like he was going to get a touchdown, but he looked like he started walk, uh, running through water towards the end, and he was knocked out of bounds there. And when they showed his face, it looked like he just knew that he was just like he was just kind of like dragging ass there. He just kind of shook his head a little bit, kind of like saying, "It's like, uh, yeah, I couldn't make it." But it, it was just funny. I mean, it wasn't Greg Bell slow, uh, wherever that guy. <laughs> but but I mean, it was just. He he was aware that he had the opening. He almost had the touchdown, but uh, yeah, but he, he made up for it later on his later run. You know, he, he must have been just tired. But Derek, go ahead. Well, I'd like to get back to his passing because uh, we talk about you talked about his efficiency and how great his efficiency was. So, Pro Football Focus also has a stat that they adjust the completion percentage, and he led the nation this week in completion percent in the adjusted completion percentage, and they take out like drop passes and. Uh, pass interference type plays, and uh, at any rate, he had a ninety three percent completion percentage adjusted according to that, and he led the nation. There was only one other quarterback that had over a ninety percent. I I drawn a blank on who it was, but I mean he, he dominated this this week. And uh, did we have a drop? Yeah, Stanley Morgan dropped a pass early on, and then the very next play. He actually should have been – the defense actually probably should have been called for either defensive holding or defensive pass interference. Either, I don't care which one they would have went with. Oh, but, yes, yes, yes. But you could clearly see him holding on to his shoulder pad. And the play, the play right before that, he dropped a pass. So, really, there was only two bad passes by Adrian Martinez in this game. One of them he overthrew, and then the other one he actually almost could have been picked away. off. No, the, the other one, one actually – threw away. No, the one he threw away was a penalty, so it didn't actually count as an as a attempt. Because it was a, well, it was a penalty. You know the the last note on this, uh, you know this this big love fest of Taylor of uh, Adrian Martinez is the, the I know I'm sorry I like Taylor Martinez but he doesn't deserve that is is Scott Frost talking about uh, you know freshman of the week honors and you know I, Adrian Martinez was a co recipient and Scott Frost looked at him and he's like wait co who got it with him. And someone from me is like Rondell Moore. He's like, yeah, he's pretty good, I guess. And so, <laughs> I, I, but but you talk about Rondell Moore. I mean, he's getting Heisman talk, and he's mostly explosive. And you see Adrian Martinez, man, that kid is, you know, PJ Fleck alluded to this. The the media is alluding to this. This guy is as special of a freshman quarterback that Nebraska's seen. If if we would be even three and three right now. I mean, you, you would be getting national praise for how this kid has played. And we've kind of breezed over him the last few weeks. And shame on us, but my God, you can't you can't deny what he's been doing. You know, and, and as great as Adrian Martinez was, it kind of overshadows the great things that Divina Zigbo do, did also. Divina Zigbo was a complete beast in this game. Uh, both dudes... They came to play and they did it. So, uh, Derek, I got I got to bring this to you because uh, you you said numerous times in the off season, Divina Zigbo. There's no place in this offense for Divina Zigbo. Well, I, don't, 
I don't think I'm the only one that said that. I think there have been plenty of people in Husker Nation that have said that. However, I'm I am eating crow now. Podcast, only one this podcast. <laughs> uh, I don't think. I think Tyler somewhat agreed with me. Maybe not. Maybe well, he was. Let's get to your. Let's get to your take, Derek. Let's <laughs> not point fingers. I'm pretty sure you agreed with me. Maybe maybe you didn't agree with it to the extent that I did. But look, I'm eating crow. This kid's good. And, and the funny thing is, is between Adrian Martinez and. Divine Zigbo, they're completely overshadowing Maurice Washington, who had a great game. Like, uh, like he's getting no love whatsoever, and probably rightfully so. But he looked phenomenal in this game. Divine Zigbo, though, that guy looks like he kind of almost looks like Marshawn Lynch to me. Like he's he's just he's top heavy. He's hard to tackle. He keeps his legs moving, but he's still got a little juke to him. I, I I don't know where it came from because this guy never had that for the first three years he was here. And you can talk to me about what, what he was before and what he is now, but you can't sit here and tell me that you looked at him and thought, oh, he's fast enough to run this offense because what we had to go off of in that first three years, he did not look like that. Now, I all, all the power to him. That guy has improved probably more than anybody on this team. Yeah, this is one of those games where if the staff was like peeling off helmet stickers to hand out to players that excelled in this game, they would have ran out of stickers. I mean, this was just this was so good to see. I mean, this we we had a little shady part there in the third quarter where it was like, oh shit, we, you know. Even Scott Frost alluded to this. He's like, hey, we we've seen that movie before, and it was so true. I'm sitting there, I'm watching. I'm like, uh oh, what's going on? What's going on? Why what? You know, it was a scary feeling, but, you know, guys, we, we prevailed, and I was just so proud to see everybody just step up their game like tenfold in this game. Go ahead, Derek. So, so let's talk about the one stat that nobody knew until they watched this game, and it was the first holding call in the last 21 conference games. That's two and a half years of not getting enough offensive holding against us. On passing plays. On, 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 yeah, well, yes, on passing plays. I mean, that, that is absurd because there's a lot of teams that have passed a lot on us in the last two and a half years. And, further, only accepted, only accepted on passing plays. So I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I, didn't, I don't know. Where did you hear that he part, kind of, I guess? I didn't see that part. That that was that they was accepted. The, the way they talked about on the on the on the game, it was that was just the first holding penalty called. It, it was afterwards on one, on one of the radio shows. Okay, okay, and, and fair then, enough. So Steve Sipple, he kind of alluded, like Steve Sipple. Th- this isn't my take. This is his. He wanted to know what the context of that was. It's like how does that relate to other teams in the Big Ten, and and. I don't. I don't know that. I, mean, I, I don't either. You know what? I, I never even would have guessed with who the hell tracks that stat. <laughs> I don't know. First. But but I'll tell you. I'll, but I will tell you this: it was a clear hold. Their offensive lineman tackled our defensive line guy and, and laid on top of him. And it was a good thing he did because his wide receiver was wide open and took it in for seven or six, for a touchdown, easy touchdown, and they would have tied it up seven seven. Who knows how they, what the outcome of that game is? Because they take a lot of momentum if they get that touchdown. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it killed the drive. Like, totally killed the drive. Because they were three for three on third down conversions at that point. And then they turned around and ended up going three and out after that. 
it was kind of refreshing to see that Minnesota, they kind of killed themselves with penalties in this game the same way that Nebraska has killed themselves with penalties. You know, there was uh, that time it looked like that they were going to go in uh, for a score. Uh, I, I don't remember pe- some penalty happened. I think it was that offensive pass interference oh. on uh, offensive pass interference on Diedrich um, Young. You know, Diedrich Young. It was, was number like, four. It was number forty-four. The tight forty-four. Yep, forty-four. Yeah. And, you know, my joke was like, wow, Diedrich Young finally made a play. <laughs> but, but you know what? You, you, you know, I, as, as, as bad as yeah. we've harshed on penalties and how bad penalties have been for this team, that's another upswing of this. Like, we only got six penalties, and it actually brought our average down to under 10. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's another plus. Like, everything went our way this game, and I hope it continues to do this for the rest of the season. All right, Tyler, you're making some funny faces over here. So. Okay, I, I, let's not let's not give out gold medals for getting six penalties. I mean that that that's not a that's an improvement, but that's definitely not a nation leading game for your best game of the season. And, and you guys got to talk about the defense a little bit. And and I you know the defense played some good football um, in this game. You know they had a, they had a really solid first half, but you know this, this defense continues not to live up to expectations um you know they had two tackles for a loss um you know they, they have not been playing on the other side of the, the field um you know there's a lot of people giving kudos to our corners for starting to turn their heads and and while i do acknowledge the the improvement in that area and boodle continues to be the best corner of this team lamar jackson has greatly stepped up his game and i've loved what i've seen from him um yeah, they're still not where they need to be. They need to make more plays on the ball. Um, but but Minnesota, just think about this. Minnesota started this game with a true freshman walk-on quarterback. And that was who they thought was their best option at quarterback. And they still put up four touchdowns against you at home. Like, guys, I, I get it. This is a great victory. But this defense continues to over- underwhelm. Hang on, it hang should on have now. had five. It should it should have had five touchdowns if they didn't hold. They changed quarterbacks at halftime, okay? And so I question PJ Flex uh his decision. I think he started the wrong quarterback, first and foremost. I think if they would and I don't God, I don't have that guy's name. Tanner, help me out here, whatever Morgan. his name is. Tanner Morgan. Morgan, Tanner Morgan, yeah. Almost kept wanting to say that Mangum guy from BYU that lit us up, but uh, yeah, if I think if PJ Fleck would have started Tanner Morgan the whole game, I think this game could have had a different outlook. That 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 Tanner guy, he he was clearly the better quarterback in this game. His ability to run the ball, uh, he baffled our defense in the second half. I thought he was a way better passer than. Uh, uh, Annex said they put themselves in a bad position by getting so far down, you know, 28 to eight there at halftime with the, the bad quarterback. And you saw what he could do there early on in the third quarter. I mean, he got him back into contention. They could have done some great things. So that's on PJ Fleck to me. Well, before you just, I mean, tear down the defense, I, the defense stopped the run well. They had they had a few plays that really kind of got to him in the passing game, and I, I don't know if it was so much the quarterback as the play calling that helped out that quarterback. 
Because they, they changed the play calling in that second half. They started running these little slants and these little uh, screens that kicked our ass. And and with Anikstead in there, they seemed to be trying to go a little further deep, deep with th- throwing deep balls, and it, it wasn't working. Uh, our, our linebackers, as far as coverage goes, are not good. I mean, like it or not, they're just not good. And they, our biggest fear was secondary, and, they, and they, we figured, figured they wouldn't be able to cover well. But they seem to be doing pretty decent. What's not doing good is linebackers covering. And uh, but but you know, I so I seen a stat. Nebraska has not given up a rush rushing uh, play longer than eleven yards in the last two games. Which look, I mean, it's it's an improvement. I, you can't expect this team to turn it around. Even I, I don't think it's going to turn around this year until they get some depth in here. And you can talk about how what how much other kids have played and bringing up death like that. But until we actually get the kids in here to play, I, I think that you're going to see this this collapse at times because I think they do get tired. And and well, uh, and look, I mean, you talk. I bring it back. I want to go back to that stat where we we've given up just the 11 yard. That was on uh, that Tanner Morgan that gave that had the longest run. Uh, that Ingram, I'm sorry, Ibrahim, Muhammad Ibrahim, had 49 yards, averaged averaged 2.7 yards a carry, and as long was eight yards. You know what he did against Ohio State? He had 157 yards with a long of 34, averaging 6.8 yards. And we shut that kid down. Yeah, I mean, I think you you gotta you gotta give this run defense some credit, and I'm not gonna disagree. But Derek, I mean, this team complete Minnesota, and you could say who played better, whatever thing. According bottom line, is Minnesota quarterbacks completed over half their passes for over 300 yards. Okay, bottom line, that's what they did. We had one turnover on defense, guys. This is a game that in Minnesota had multiple interception games. The last every Big Ten game they've been in. Our pass defense isn't where it is, and it starts with the up-front unit. Because, again, I think our secondary is beginning to play better, but we get zero pressure on this quarterback. And and Muhammad Barry continues to be the linchpin of this defense, and he's a big reason why our rush defense is good. But, guys, we cannot get pressure on a quarterback. And, and a lot of that falls on Luke Gifford, I, and I love that kid, but he's supposed to be your pressure linebacker, and he's just not getting in there. And uh, and Tyler, you want to talk about the, those quarterbacks passing for over fifty percent? Or uh, that, that Tanner Morgan was eleven for sixteen. Zach Anikstead was only nine for twenty. Like he did not have a good game. Tanner Morgan came and had a good game, and I think a lot of that had to do. With that's game why he plan. was. I'm assuming that's why he was shelved there in the second. No, that, he wasn't getting it done. According to PJ, I don't Fle- think according to PJ injury. Fleck, he was sent to the hospital at halftime for some internal injuries in his in his stomach. Did. Maybe well, had, maybe that's why he passed so bad. Maybe he had bad barbecue. I don't know, but I didn't see anything that would have sent him to the hospital. But you know, who knows? You know, you had bad barbecue. Maybe I don't know, but that, that's hey, what I, that's what PJ Flag apparently said. All right, I want to. I don't know if I want to stay on this narrative, negative narrative, but uh, for complaints for me in this game, uh. My complaint is in the fourth quarter, the coaching staff did nothing to start filtering in backups. We kind of talked amongst us there with like nine, eight minutes left or whatever in the game. We kind of had a little debate what quarterback that we thought we should see. No quarterbacks came in. 
no no running backs came in. And the coaching staff, they can kind of want to hammer down on that there's no depth. But in a game like this, they did little to develop depth. Uh, thoughts, Tyler? I, I, I don't know if I agree with you. I, would I have liked to see Wyatt Missouri maybe get a couple carries at running back? Yeah. Towards the end of the game, that would have been something. Uh, you know, I, I think there, there was a little bit of, uh, hey, we had a game showed up last week against Northwestern. We need to finish this game. Let's do it. Um, I, I, I just don't know if the game was ever so out of hand that I thought it made sense to pull Adrian Martinez. We won by uh, 25 points. Okay. We won by 25 well, points. Okay. What, what, what kind of, what kind of advantage do you need before you start filtering in backups? Okay. But we also, we also scored a touchdown with a minute 57 left. So, you know, Minnesota had scored a touchdown with four minutes left in the game. So there was, it wasn't like, the game was completely out. I mean, that would have been a what uh, three touchdown game, two and a half touchdown game with four minutes left. Like, I get it, but like, let let Adrian Martinez get victory formation. Let him get the the win. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know, Justin. I don't. I'm not with you there. I don't know if I agree with your. Why, uh, why are we celebrating an ass whipping, or are we celebrating a game that came down to the wire? All right, Derek, what are you? What are your thoughts on this? I, I kind of tend to agree with Tyler on this, honestly. I, I think this is a situation where you haven't finished out a game yet. Let, let's let these kids finish out a game before we start yanking them. So I, I kind of agree with it. Uh, I, I know where you're coming from, Justin. I, I get it. But I think we have to wait. In order for the depth to come, I really think we got to get some players in here. And None of these backups that are going to come in are probably going to be playing a lot next year anyway because I think you're getting a lot of freshmen in that are going to probably play more next year. And some of them that are probably wanting to redshirt this year, maybe maybe they've already played in two or three games and they didn't want to waste another game with it. I I, I, I don't know what the whole scenario was for them. but Well, it, 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 Justin, you talk about quarterback. Andrew Bunch has played. Andrew Bunch has played a game and a half. It's not like this kid hasn't taken any snaps and he'd be coming in cold. Like, he right now continues to be your backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. I know the narrative in Husker Nation is you want Vedral to become the number two guy. Coaches have not alluded to the fact that he's the number two guy. Even this week, uh, you still look at Bunch being the number two bat- quarterback. The guy has gotten some game snaps. So, like, besides maybe getting Wyatt Missouri a few carries at running back, like, I don't know what you want. Like, who do you uh, want quarter, to come in at offensive line? Quarterback for sure. Quarterback for sure. Because there are some in Husker Nation that want to completely attribute that Troy loss to the fact that Adrian Martinez was not starting. There are some people that say, well, the only reason we lost is Adrian Martinez wasn't starting. That's not true. I mean, you have a chance to give a backup quarterback some quality playing time, which is well-deserved at this point. Guys, like uh, in the running back situation – we have two running backs. Hell, look at our wide receivers. Wide receivers. We have basically two wide receivers. Cade Warner, he starts, but he's just kind of like starting in that position just by default. They're not filtering any guys in there for meaningful snaps. You could have got some guys some meaningful snaps in there. Uh, maybe even offensive line. 
defense, they weren't, they were, they still weren't rotating or bringing in guys that aren't used to playing and, and defense. They missed the mark and they want to complain about depth. The coaching staff talks about depth, but they did nothing at all to alleviate that and put some guys in some real time. We talk about Breon Dixon. Everybody had high praise for Breon Dixon, right? Hell, we just, we have, uh, Five games left. Two of those games at Ohio State and, and Iowa. There's not probably a chance for him to play in. You can get him four games. Where was he? Well, I, I don't know. You might, you might see. You might see him games. Saturday, but well, you're right. You're right. But I think this is a missed opportunity on the staff to establish uh, to create some depth, get some guys in that don't normally play on. It is a complete missed mark. I think if you don't have the complete collapse you had in Northwestern, you probably do that this game. But I think at this point you had to show these guys how to finish out a game. I think, I think it was I think it was a good move. Like make these guys finish out the game. You didn't finish out the game last week and you lost it. So finish out this game. I don't care what the score is. Finish out the game. Yeah, and, and the game. Let's not remember there was a point in the even the fourth quarter when they had that long kickoff return that you, you the back of your head you're like. Well, shit, like you're starting to do the math and you're starting to think, what if, what if? I mean, this game wasn't out of hand in the third quarter. This game was a very much a ball game in the third quarter. Like you're really talking, Justin, about one series. Maybe, no, 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 maybe, I, I, maybe ta- no I never said anything about third quarter. I, I, I get it. I said it earlier that the game, it, you know, there was a part in the third quarter where you're like, oh, my man, we've seen this uh, show before. But I'm talking about in the fourth quarter. With nine to eight minutes left in the game, perfect time to start filtering. Justin, some you're, you're, I, I hate to do this, but your facts are wrong on this shit, dude. Like going into the fourth quarter, we were up twenty-eight to was it twenty-eight to twenty-two? Yes. Okay, so twenty-eight quarter? to twenty-two. Okay, we the fourth quarter we we went up thirty-one to twenty-eight with seven minutes left. We did not like we did not really start pulling away. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we had the touchdown in the third quarter. But, but my point is, we did not score that touchdown the pull-up by three scores until five minutes left. That's when we got up three scores in the fourth quarter. It was with five minutes left. So we were like up three scores until five. Okay. Because we scored a touchdown. Uh, Morgan had that 67-yard touchdown from Martinez with 519 left in the game. So, and that, that would have put up, that put us up three scores at that time. So, I, I just don't think this game was out of hand as long so as even with five was. minutes left, that's not worthy to throw in some backups. Well, well yeah. Uh, okay. Granted. Sure. Put them in for that offensive series. Like the next one, but they scored a touchdown that next defense offense. So like, I don't know who was in or not. I just, I think you're overreacting like, cause you mainly cause of quarterback. You're like, Oh, it'd be nice to see some quarterback, but I don't think there was a lot of opportunity to see that. Okay. So either, either we did awesome and kick their ass, or either we didn't. So maybe was this game too close that you couldn't put some backups in? I think the game, when I look at this game, when I compare Nebraska football to week in, week out, is my expectations. And I thought this game was going to be about a two-score game, and we exceeded those expectations. So I am very happy here sitting on a Tuesday night. I love how everything is black and white with Justin. Like, there's no in between ever. It's always black and white. And, and, and I told you this when you when you brought this up Saturday. Justin, this is, this is like 
pulling straws and just trying to find something to complain about at this point. To me, like I don't, I don't think okay. there's any complaining. I, I think I, I think you're just looking for a reason to complain because you're pissed off that we're one in six, and that's fine. But no, I, I think I think it was this so, a perfect game? No, this was not a perfect game. But so, like, so, our, go ahead, Justin. I, I just want to, I want to correct you here because you misspoke. With seven minutes and fifty three seconds left in the game, we were up thirty nine to twenty two. We went up forty six to twenty two with five nineteen left. But so but that, I, I'm right. Within so eight minutes of the game, within eight minutes but, of the game, it's a three score game, and you don't do anything. And then all of a sudden, you go up twenty two points or twenty four points, and that's still not good enough to put in backups. Again, I, I it's stupid. Okay, it's, 22 fine. Points, it's fine. 22 but, points is three scores. 22 points is three scores, right? 24 points? Okay, oh, yeah, if, if they get, yeah. If they get all if they get all of them. But, I mean, my God. You can't stop anybody. Well, I would say. I want to bring this up. You guys keep talking about stopping and not being able to stop. I want people to understand. This is the defense you guys are probably – I mean, it'll, it will improve some. But this is a type of defense you can expect to see through Scott Frost. Like his defense isn't going to be the defense of the '90s. It's not going to be an Alabama type of defense. His defense is meant to stop a stop an offense a few times more than the offense can score. That's it. Well, then, then stop talking about depth is a problem if you're not going to play anybody. Okay, stop Let's, talking about it. Okay, I'm done with the depth conversation, Justin. But Derek, I disagree with you. Like, I do not think Scott Frost's game plan is to have an inept defense. His game plan is to outscore his opponent. You're no doubt about it. He's an offensive guy. But for Scott Frost, I, I think he wants to see the defense be better than he's I, had in the past. I, I think you're right, but he's even alluded to it himself. I mean, he's even said, you know, the defense just needs to make one or two more plays so the offense can outscore this team. I mean, he's he's kind of made it in his own comments. Bob Diaco yeah. said the same thing. But I, I just, I don't, I think he knows. I think he knows if this team is ever going to win national championships, he cannot have a, a 70th ranked defense. Like, does he need to have the number one ranked defense? Probably not, but he can't have the 70th ranked. Um, he, he needs to start putting up mid 30s to 40 defenses if he really wants to compete. I agree it's got to be better than what it is right now, yes. But. I mean, anything's better than what it is right now. Like we're like a hundredth than most of the defensive stats right now. So, all right, let's uh, let's call it quits for now. We'll have uh, sunnier days ahead, I'm sure. Uh, but now let, let's get ready for our next guest. We now welcome in the college football professor himself, Adam McClintock. Welcome, Adam. How are you guys doing? Oh, another fantastic week. It's especially fantastic since the Huskers won. Hey, what are your thoughts on this Huskers games this past week? Hey, man, it was it was a it was a um, it's kind of a complete turnaround from from what we've seen the last few weeks. Uh, uh, quarter by quarter, Nebraska for the season, the they, they kind of started off a little, started off at a decent pace the first quarter. Second quarter has been a lull. Third quarter they've come out hot. So the third quarter this year it has been Nebraska's best quarter efficiency wise all year long. They've averaged nine points a game in the third quarter, and it's the only quarter all year long they haven't been shut out in. Okay, so uh, and then the fourth quarter they they, they would kind of tail off again a little bit. This game was completely flipped. They came out hot first, second quarter. They scored fourteen points a quarter in the first and second quarter. Third quarter was the lull. 
And then the fourth quarter, they ended it hot. So it was a complete turnaround from what uh, we've seen them do uh, the first six weeks of the season, which I think really shows shows some growth there. And in fact, you know, uh, Frost, Coach Frost himself said that uh, uh, there was kind of a a, um, a culture shift after after the Purdue game. Well, I went back and, and looked at the numbers to see if analytically I could see, okay, there's been a shift here. And there is, you know, you look at the Purdue game and in that game, Nebraska was at about 34.6% offensive efficiency, offensive efficiency per play. Okay. That jumped to 35.34% against Wisconsin. It jumped again to 37.74% against Northwestern and then took a massive jump to 72.46% against Minnesota. Um, so every week since Purdue, we, we've seen nothing but improvement. The defense has kind of, was kind of the same for Purdue and Wisconsin. Um, took a big hike for Northwestern and then stayed stayed at about that range for, for Minnesota at about forty two point eight percent per player efficiency. Just kind of put that in into um, better terms. You know, the Colorado game everybody says is was the great showing by the defense at the beginning of the year. That was about forty three percent efficiency. So. They played an equal game against Minnesota as they did Colorado defense, defensively. So um, big things, a lot to be excited for with Nebraska. That was a good Minnesota defense. It was a top 20 defense in per play efficiency. So it's not like they were doing a bunch of, against a bunch of bums either. Uh, so it's this is that, that was a major step. I'm anxious to see, you know, maybe, like, maybe not this week. We won't see a dividend because Bethune-Cookman um, maybe doesn't have – the competition to, to really push Nebraska this week. But when they go to Columbus against the Ohio state team, that's going to be fired up off of their butt kicking by Purdue. Then um, we'll, we'll see what, what, uh, if that improvement carries through. Nice. So Adam, Adam, for our listeners that, you know, maybe not didn't, haven't caught your uh, last appearance on our podcast or are not familiar with you. Talk to us a little bit about your model and talk to us about what, what do you derive it up and a little bit of background on it. Okay. Yeah, no problem. I, um, every year I start in February to, uh, I, I build and I build a model for the season. Um, what I do is I create uh, base index numbers for every team. Um, that includes roster talent. It includes uh, uh, coaching efficiencies that uh, meaning, Offensive coordinator per play efficiencies, uh, defensive coordinator per play efficiencies. And I have career numbers for every coordinator who's ever called a play since 2005. So I have 10 years of data and it correlates really well to, to what every coordinator is going to do with, with said talent and said uh, returning starters. Um, using that, I, I, I put that all into a model and it gives me, it simplifies every team down to one number. And then comparing those numbers against each other, that's how I come up with, with my projection spreads. Um, so, but so I was to say, so with your model, do you, does it take home field advantage and any of those factors into consideration? It sure does. Yeah, it takes home field advantage. Um, and the way I, I use the way I calculate home field advantage is everybody does it a different way. The way I found it works best for me and, and, and for my model, my index is is I use a. a, a 10-year span of, of results for home and away for the, for the team, you know, get some really on-field metrics for that. And I also correlate that to um, how many people are in that stadium and how much uh, noise one human can make on average. So a little bit of human, acoust uh, human acoustics in there along with some on-field uh, actually uh, performance data. 
So that's how I come up with my, with my home field advantage stuff. It, it works pretty well for me. Like Nebraska, their home field advantage this year is worth like 2.8 points or something like that. So, which, which is about, I guess, 26th best of the country. Cool. Somewhere in that range. I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's, 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 so it's still a good advantage. It isn't what it was early 90s, late, late, or mid 90s, early 2000s, but it's, it's still a formative place to come to play. So, nice. So, so how, how has your model been doing this year? How accurate has it been? Um, year to date, uh, it's hit about 77% straight up and 54% against the spread, uh, for nationwide. Um, last year, last week it went 85% straight up and 60% against the spread. So last week was a, last week was a good week. Um, now it varies for every conference. The worst conference for me this year, my bugaboo this year has been the big 12. It's only hit about 67% straight up and, and I think it's 50% against the spread for the big 12 this year. Everybody else, well, almost every other conference is 75% above straight up and you're somewhere between 53 and 58% against the spread. So. All right, so, so when you look at your model for the rest of the year, talk to us a little bit about some teams that maybe um, have not had the best first half of the season that you are expecting that maybe have a, a little bit better second half and vice versa, maybe a couple teams that have had okay or good first halves that you might see some disappointing uh, results of the second half? Um, yeah, a couple of those teams. Um, well, the first one that I really see uh, turning around here quickly, and I think they've turned a corner the last few weeks, is UCLA. Um, they were a team that I was high on in the, in, in the early preseason. I had them projected 8-4. and four. They didn't start off very well. I got kind of nervous thinking, oh, this is really going to get a lot of egg on my face here. But they've turned a corner. Um, they're you're to, they, they've went from uh, their per play efficiency on offense and defense from the oh, 90 to 100 range. They've jumped clear up, on the, and now both their offense and defense are both playing top 50 football in the last four weeks, efficiency wise. Um, Chip Kelly's found a running back. He's Joshua Kelly. He's a, he's a junior out there. He's riding him like, like a mule, 30, 30 carries a game, but it's working. Um, he's still got a lot of youth out there, but I, I think. The game this weekend between UCLA and Utah sounds ludicrous right now looking look at that UCLA's record, but I think that game could be for the Pac-12 South. That game could end up being for the Pac-12 South. UCLA, I think, is that good, and they're going to do uh, good things from here on out to they'll get bowl eligible, and I think they'll, they'll be a major contender in the Pac-12 South the rest of the season, here, with, especially with USC kind of going in the, in, the, in the dumpster like they have. So another team, um, Purdue is another team that is really, you know, Doing things beyond what I expected them to do. I think I had Purdue going four and eight uh, projected, and they've they have everything in front of them in the, in the Big Ten West. Um, they they you know they do they they handle their business from here on out, and and you're looking at Purdue in the Big Ten title game, um, which beginning of the season I think any anybody would have called you crazy for 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 talking that way, but but it's 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 actually very you know, realistic right now, look at the way they've played the last few weeks. Okay, so we're halfway through, just just past halfway through the season and the college football committee playoff has been getting ready to come out. What does your model have for the playoff teams? Um, as of right now, um, the playoff contenders I have are uh, Alabama, which is no surprise. Um, honestly, just looking at the numbers and looking at looking at efficiencies, um, 
this is the best offense by far Nick Saban's ever had. It's not close. Um, in fact, uh, as long as Tua is healthy, I think everybody else right now is playing for second. So Alabama is pretty safe in as long as Tua is is healthy and, 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 and doing his thing. Um, the only team I really see giving them any run at all in the SEC is LSU. Um, LSU's defense is the real deal. Dave Aranda is a, is a defensive wizard. They go to Baton Rouge, and um, you know this is Alabama's defense this year is good, but this is probably one of the worst defenses efficiency wise Nick Saban's had in the past seven eight years. So if if you can find a way to slow down that offense enough, that defense isn't the stone wall that we've seen at Alabama for the past three or four years. It can't be scored on. So. Um, but I, I have Alabama pegged in there. Clemson uh, really does not have any challenges in the ACC. The ACC is is hot garbage this year. It's Clemson and everybody else. <laughs> um, Clemson's going to win that conference. I expect them to go undefeated pretty handily. Um, I expect so. I expect Clemson to be there. Um, Notre Dame. They have uh, their remaining schedule is very favorable. I think they have Navy, Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, and USC. Um, you, typically you look at those and say, okay, Florida State, USC is going to be the challengers there. But, you know, those two teams are down. And Notre Dame's actually, since they made the quarterback change especially, they, they're, they're playing some pretty good ball. Um, I expect them to be there. Um, the only other teams I think that are, that are one loss right they have one loss right now that have a chance, uh, Michigan I think is probably the best team of the Big Ten that has a chance to get there. Um, Ohio State has some things to figure out. Even if they do figure those things out, I think that big loss of Purdue is one that the committee is going to be hard-pressed to look by. I mean, you look at their the way they handled the Iowa loss last year, and, and that costed Ohio State a spot. I think the Purdue loss does the same thing with them. I don't think they have a chance to get in no matter what they do. Um, Michigan, I think, is the Big Ten's flag bearer right now to get in the playoff. Um, I mentioned LSU. If LSU can run the table and be Alabama at the big, t- big SEC title game, of course they'd be in. Um, Oklahoma, um, they need a defense. <laughs> Their defense is, is a mess. Um, but it's the Big 12, and if they can get through, they're the only one-loss team, one-loss champion. If they can get, get to that rematch with Texas and, and beat Texas handily like I think they probably would, um, then, then they would have a chance to get in. And then there's Georgia, who kind of is in the same – Boat as every other SEC team, they'd have to get by Alabama. So those are the teams really that I look at have a chance right now. Um, my locks right now are Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame, and then the fourth one is kind of we'll see who comes through the ether at the end of the year. So it sounds like it's SEC heavy, though. <laughs> yeah, it's I hate that, but yeah, it's kind of what it is. So no Nebraska, <laughs> <laughs> man, not this year, not this year, not yet. So what does your model have for expectations for the rest of Nebraska season as far as win total goes? Um, I think I have uh, the, the, the record ending at four and eight is what I have projected. So I have three more wins on the roster, on the, on the, um, on the docket here. I think it has Michigan State and Iowa both as toss-up games. So there's a possibility um, we, could, we could win those two games and, and push a bowl game. at, uh, But it doesn't give us much of a chance at Ohio State. Yeah. So we would have to be one of those five and seven teams who get it because of, you know, classroom performance, which, you know, if that is really the best case scenario is we need, because we need those extra bowl practices more than, 
that's really more important than the actual bowl game this year is we need those extra bowl practices to get our, our youth and, and continue to entrench Frost's culture in the system for next year. Um, but you got to be happy with what, I mean, my index sees Nebraska um, not as a one in six football team. It's got them ranked 57th, which you usually don't see one, one in six football teams ranked that high. They're you typically in the, in the eighties and nineties, but my index is trading Nebraska as though it's a three and four or four and three football team, which I think it probably more closely mirrors than, than what the record shows. So, which is unfortunate because we all know that, you know, that that is, is was very possible, but um, hopefully going forward, we, we can, uh, or Nebraska can, can, can uh, win as many games as possible and, and get those bull practices. That'd, that'd be the best case scenario. Well, we know that we don't have to worry about Bethune Cookman this week. <laughs> uh, they should not uh, challenge us too much. They're bringing in a four and four record to Lincoln. Uh, one of those wins was against a team, uh, Virginia University of Lynchburg. They're just fu- they just brought back football for the first time since 1954 this year. Oh wow! Uh, yes, 79 to 16 is what uh, Bethune Cookman won that game. Yeah, kind of expect that when they've nobody's they haven't played football. But anyway, uh, and. You know, you say your model doesn't follow Bethune Cookman or FCS schools like this. What, what do you see out of this game, Adam? Um, I see. I don't think that Frost and company are, are, are ones that are going to put the hammer down and really run the score up on these guys. Um, I think um, just in um, the way Coach Frost respects the other coaching staff, I don't think he would he would do that. I do think we'll win handily. I do think we'll see some younger guys. Maybe we might even see Bedrill get in in the second half um, in this in this thing just to get him some snaps and then maybe get get some of our starters some rest. You know, we're, we're playing 13 or 12 weeks in a row, right? So he, he's going to want to get our starters out as quickly as possible. Um, that could hold the score down as well. Um, but then Cookman, I don't know much about their offensive defense, but I do know they have a couple of guys on special teams who can make things happen. They've run, returned a few kicks this year and, and that's that's been a bugaboo for Nebraska is kick coverage. So look at that, you know, as, as a possible um, something to, something to watch. But I don't expect there to be any problems with them cooking. I expect it to be very um, business like. Get in there, you know, get your reps in, um, continue to get better. Um, don't get anybody hurt, <laughs> and uh, um, um, uh, just get out get out of the game right, and get ready for the horseshoe and the rest of Big Ten play. Yeah, you're exactly right about their kickoff specialists or the return specialists there. Jimmy Robinson and Kayshawn Berg. Uh, Jimmy mm-hmm. Robinson, he's averaging 33.6 yards uh, per return with two TDs. And another guy, Kayshawn Berg, he's returned one TD. So, you know, special teams for Nebraska, they haven't been a strong suit. That's probably the biggest understatement of the year there. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, they're going to have their hands full on that. It, you don't want to let a team like this just to, you know, stay in the game or just change momentum something with, with a big play like that. So we'll have to be locked in there. Hey, Tyler, what what do you see out of this uh, Bethune-Cookman team? Well, I mean, you know, kind of the going thing. I mean, there, it's hard to get much of a read on them as a team. I mean, this is a game that – of any game that we've had in Lincoln – Probably since McNeese State, and we remember how that happened. That was the last time we had an FCS team in town, uh, the Amir Abdullah play. This, I mean, this, this is a game that Nebraska set up to win. 
And, and not only win, I think this is, you know, Adam, you're right. I think this is a game where Frost and company want to get players rest. Um, I, I think you look at a guy like Adrian Martinez and Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman, you know, these those key co- contributors that really don't have a backup uh, that can take over for them. I really would expect them not to take that many snaps in the second half. I think that's what you're going to see out of this game. Derek? You know, I, I don't want to beat this down too much because this is going to be, I, I want to say a gimme game, but I, I hear what you're saying, Derek. But, uh, you know, the, the special teams, that was a key uh, interesting stat. Another interesting stat that I found uh, looking at this team was uh, uh, their quarterback, Williams. Not only, you know, uh, he's a passer, but he's also leading the team in rushing. So I thought that was an interesting stat. This guy could probably maybe do some things with his legs if we're not careful there. So I thought that was interesting. And defensively, there's uh, one dude, Marquez Ford. Uh, he leads the team with nine tackles for loss and seven sacks, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. But outside of that. It... Well, but, but Derek, you brought that up. And Justin, I mean, I get it. This game is all in Nebraska's court. I mean, last week we were giving Gatorade showers. This week we're we're not practicing, which I get the rest, and I think Frost is right to do that, um, especially with you know not getting this bye week. But I mean, I mean, it, gosh, if this if this is a game going on in the second half, that that you want to talk about a momentum killer for the second half of the season, that would mm-hmm. be it, win or lose. But us being in a game in the fourth quarter, that could be a momentum killer for this roster. Exactly. And he, really all Frost needs to do is show them a game tape of the 2010 South Dakota State game and the 2014 McNeese State game where it took a, you know, a Superman and a number eight jersey to, to win that game, you know, outright. So, um, yeah, you definitely don't want to take it lightly anytime you, you take the field because not only, you know, you get in that headspace and you get hurt because you're not going full speed. And, you know, the other team, they have a lot of pride. They're going to come in. They're not just going to lay down in front of 85,000 people. So, yeah. And, well, it, 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 like I said, I, I don't necessarily think uh, Nebraska's going to take it completely lightly, but when you start hearing about, hearing about them taking Monday off and then kind of taking Tuesday as a light day, it, I, I understand why they're doing it. This is, this is supposed to be our bye week, so I understand why they're doing it. It just makes you wonder if their heads are going to be in the right places come Saturday. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to add this here. You know, I, I talked about their win over Virginia University of Lynchburg, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, their other three wins against Savannah State, Mississippi Valley State, and South Carolina State. Between those three teams, they only have four wins amongst those three. I mean, they haven't beat anybody. They've The teams that they've beat, have, they've just been garbage. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, maybe, maybe Frost is uh, – he knows what he's doing. He knows what yeah. he's doing. So I'm not – I'm not overly worried there about taking a couple of days off. Look, you're beat up. Take some time off a little bit. And hopefully, you know, you guys said it. It's all about the depth. Let's let's get some of these other guys. Let's get them some playing time. 
uh, rest those starters because you're damn sure going to need them when uh, you have to travel to Ohio State. So stay yeah. healthy. Uh, all right, you guys ready to make some picks? Do it. Oh, oh yeah. All right, Tyler, give us an update on the standings here. Well, Adam, you're you're joining some good company because <laughs> our guests have been uh, kind of dominating us this season. Our guests uh, lead the pack this season with a 34 to 13 win loss record. Um, again, we picked these games straight up. Uh, Derek, uh, you you are in second place with 28 and 19. Justin, you're a game behind him at 27-20, and I'm back up in the rear, 24-23. to So, But I am at winning record now, so um, looking to take a game this week. That's funny. <laughs> you know, you, you, keep, you keep all the stats and you're still losing, so you're doing it wrong. You know how Derek always won it when he was keeping stats. So. <laughs> all right, let's get to it. All right, first game. Uh, number nine, Florida versus number seven, Georgia. Georgia seven point favorites, but again, all picks are ups are straight up. Tyler, so Adam, you appreciate stats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the interesting stats going into this game is Georgia has quite the advantage in explosive plays, uh, plays of ten yards uh, run or twenty yards passes. Uh, they have sixteen point eight percent of their plays are explosive versus only twelve percent Florida. I think Georgia is a little bit more explosive than Florida. Um, I think Georgia is a little bit better on defense than Florida. I think Georgia wins this game pretty handily. Derek? Well, if you look at their stats, except for explosive plays, and even that wasn't that far off, uh, these stats are actually pretty evenly matched. I think the biggest difference maker here is Elijah Real Deal Holyfield, and uh, I think he gives them the win. Adam? I got. Uh, I'm with you. I got, I got Georgia in this one. I got. I think the model has Georgia winning by eight. Um, but they're looking at the four week uh, efficiency metrics. Watch it. This is going to be a sneaky good game. It's going to be nail biter. It's going to be better than what people think. Um, but but the model has Georgia by eight. So that's that, that's what I'll stick by. Okay, I'm going with Georgia as well. Make it four. Uh, all right, Derek. This one's to you. Number 18, Iowa, at number 17, Penn State. Penn State, six-point favorites. You know, Penn State is giving up almost 400 yards a game right now. Their defense is nowhere near what everybody thought it was going to be or what some people thought it was going to be, I should say. Tyler, your pick's drowning. They're falling down. Your your biggest nemesis, Iowa, seems to have the real deal defense. Their offense is turning around. I think Iowa finds a way to win this game. Adam, um, the model has Penn State by seven. Um, not, I'm not real comfortable with that, but that's what it says, so I'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tyler. Well, you put it together. You should go with it. Um, but no, I, I, I like Penn State. Um, you know, in the last three seasons, uh, James Franklin and company have only lost one game in Happy Valley, and that was a very close defeat against Michigan State. Uh, pains me to say it, Iowa is a good team. I just don't think they have a squad that can go into uh, Happy Valley and win that game. Penn State. I'm taking Iowa. Iowa's been playing some really good ball the last few weeks. You know, they're 6-1 and one against the spread also. Uh, Penn State, they're kind of like on a downturn. They, they, they're not looking as uh, crisp uh, over the last three weeks. So I'm going to go with the momentum. I think Ohio or Iowa gets the upset here. Uh Adam, number 20, Wisconsin, seven-point favorites at Northwestern. Um, the model has Wisconsin by eight. 
Um, I think Northwestern is able to throw the ball on Wisconsin secondary enough to stay in the game. It's going to be closer than, than what people, I, I think, uh, anticipate. But I think Wisconsin, with that running game and being able to grind out that Northwestern defense, which isn't quite as good this year as it has been in the past, um, they'll grind them out and look for Wisconsin to start pulling away late third, early fourth quarter. Tyler. You know, Divine Zigbo, when we played Northwestern, had a hell of a game. And uh, Wisconsin is playing Northwestern. And last week, uh, Wisconsin had all five starters for pro football focus offensive line. Um, they're, they've been dominant. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has 1,100 yards rushing this year. I, I disagree, Adam. I think this is going to be a blow-away victory. I like Wisconsin by three touchdowns. Derek? I disagree. Since 2000, Wisconsin's record at Evanston is one and four. They struggle in Evanston. This has been a, I mean, this is 18 years going in that, I mean, they granted they haven't played there but five times, but they still struggle there every time they go there. Uh, this is a very close game. In fact, I think Northwestern finds out, finds a way to squeak out a win. They're, Wisconsin's defense is not as good as everyone thinks it is this year. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> That, that Northwestern t- team last week against Rutgers, that was, uh, that's an embarrassment there. I, I like Wisconsin. Uh, all right, Tyler, we're coming back to you. We're talking about Purdue now. Purdue at Michigan State. Michigan State is two-and-a-half-point favorites. So a couple minutes ago, uh, Derek mocked me because of my Penn State pick out of the East this year. How's Michigan State looking? I, I got Purdue because of two words, uh, Rondale Moore. Yeah. Uh, Purdue wins this game. Derek? I agree. I told you a long time ago it was a bad pick. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, Brondell Moore is really – I mean, he's he's exciting. That kid's awesome. And uh, Michigan State secondary has given up oh, 275.7 yards a game. I, I just – I don't see uh, them slowing down Rondell Moore at all. Their 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 pass defense is almost as bad as Nebraska's. <laughs> Adam, um, I, I got uh, the model has Michigan State by four. Um, like I said, sometimes you don't always agree with your model; it makes you scratch your head. And if you agree with it all the time, it'd be a bad model. So this is one of those times where I got to kind of smile and say, "It's model say model says Michigan State by four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I have Purdue also. Maybe I'm just riding high over that great win against uh, Ohio State. But, yeah, you guys said it. That Rondale Moore, he's, he's a beast. Well, he's does, fun to you watch, know what that too. means. You know what that means? Every time the guest is the only one that picks it. Oh, yeah, Michigan we're, we're, State. We're, yeah. we're screwed, yeah. So I bet on Michigan State. Yeah. All right, Derek, number 14, Washington State. At number 24, Stanford. Stanford is three-point favorites in this game. All right. I ain't, do, I ain't doing it again. I went against Washington State last week. I ain't doing it this week. You know, uh, Stanford's offense is terrible. They're only averaging 90, 91.6 yards a game. And Bryce Love was supposed to be this Heisman hopeful. Let me tell you, that guy's got 87 carries and 348 yards. Zigbo has 85 carries for 600 yards. And Martinez has 81 carries for 415 yards. So just by comparison, Nebraska has two guys rushing better than this Heisman hopeful. Uh, Stanford's offense is not good at all right now. And Washington State, if you you can't keep the ball out of their hands, they're going to tear you up. Adam? Um, I think Washington State is coming off that that win 
last weekend pretty pretty high in the horse. Uh, I think Stanford comes in and, and Stanford wins by eight. Whoa! Uh, sorry, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> you know, I, I think honestly, if the games we're picking, this is probably the most competitive game. Um, you know, this was a basically a coin flip game uh, for me, but I am uh, I'm going to ride Adam's coattails and go Stanford. <laughs> Hey, I'm taking Washington State. Also, I, I'm not. I'm not impressed with uh, Stanford at all this year. They, they've been a huge letdown to me. But oh well. All right, now it's time for the score prediction contest. Bethune Cookman comes to Lincoln. Uh, so let's uh, talk about this one. Tyler, you're up. You know, I, obviously, I alluded to this. I think Nebraska wins. I think uh, Adrian Martinez takes very few snaps going into the second half. Uh, maybe none. I like Nebraska. Uh, because of that, I think Nebraska slows down with the starters out. I think Nebraska wins this game 41 to 10. Derek. <laughs> I think you're right. I don't think we see a lot of starters in the, in the second half. And the reason is because I think we're up so big in the first half. I have Nebraska winning 63 17. Good. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have Nebraska winning 51 to 17 and I'm, I'm of the agreement with you. I think that the second half is going to be, you know, one of those times, you know, back in the late nineties when we, we, we could see the third string quarterback in there, you know, every other game. So, uh, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see this through the, the backups get some time in this, this game and, uh, 51 to 17. I, Sam reason I, I have 42, seven, I have a little bit of, uh, lower, offensive output than you and Derek, but uh, I, I hope our starters are shelved uh, by the second quarter. Let those backups get some reps. Let, let them get some playing time. Uh, hopefully the defense steps up and keeps them to seven. Again, this isn't a very good team that we're playing, so I like to think that the talent that we have can keep them to seven. Mm-hmm. All right, so – there it is. There's our score prediction for Nebraska. All of us have a comfortable wins. Uh, one last segment. We'll let you go, Adam. We're going to talk about the let it ride segment. This is a segment where uh, we started off uh, the year, bet some money, and then we keep rolling it over week in, week out, whatever winnings we have. And uh, last week uh, we won with uh, Houston minus 12 and a half over Navy. They won. So we're going to be taking a, almost 40 bucks into this week. I do have to add that half of these, half of the money that we raised during this effort, we're going to donate to Tom Osborne's teammates' charity. That's awesome. Yeah. So we already have a $50 donation from huskerhype.com uh, in case we fail miserably towards the end of the year. But <laughs> that's what we're going to try to do. So, you know, it, it's at $40. There's, there's a lot of football left. So hopefully we can get that way up there. So this week, what we're rooting on is Florida International minus three and a half at Western Kentucky. Adam, are we making a smart pick here? Yeah, the model says Florida International wins by eight. Um, take Florida International. If it's at two, would you say at two and a half? Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah, take the three and a half with, with Florida International. Um, awesome. They should win by eight points is, is what the model says. So it's in agreement with you. Tyler, what do you think about this pick? You know, I, I'm betting on Western Michigan uh, blowing it. You know, last week, Western Michigan played Old Dominion and had arguably the most crazy finish of a football game that you would ever see. Um, if you haven't got a chance to look into this, uh, do it because Western Kentucky 
had a chance to win the game, but with no time left, kicking a field goal, and somehow managed to lose that game in regulation to the other team by a field goal. It is remarkable. It's almost unbelievable, so check it out. But I, I think they blow it again against Florida International. <laughs> Derek? Well, I thought he was trying to change games on us. He kept saying Western Michigan. I wasn't real sure what game we were picking. <laughs> Western uh, Kentucky. Western Kentucky. Sorry. I, I, I'm going with you guys. I, Florida International, their their uh, offense is just too good, and I don't. I think they'll score quite a few points. All right, Adam, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You know, we kept you a little long, so we apologize for that, but we, we damn sure love talking to you. Hey, no problem, guys. Anytime. Hey, uh, throw out your Twitter handle while you're here. Yeah, it's um, you, you can follow me at, at, CFB, at CFB underscore professor dot, or, uh, at, on Twitter, and you can email me at uh, CFBprofessor at gmail.com as well if you have any questions or if you just want some projections, so. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this, and we'll keep in touch. Sounds good, guys. All right. Thanks. Bye. Have a good one. All right, guys. It's time for Last Call. Everyone's favorite segment, No Topics or Off Limits. Last call to you, Tyler. My last call is out to the black shirts, specifically the new ones. Uh, Today at practice, Lamar Jackson, Trey Neal, Carlos, and Khalil Davis, and uh, all received black shirts. And the other interesting thing is they offered a black shirt to Ben Stilley, who declined it because of his practice. Um, kudos to all the guys that get black shots. Ben Stilley, I love the attitude. Um, I don't know how you're practicing, but honestly, your play hasn't been that good. So it's probably a nice move that you haven't taken that black shirt. Ooh, harsh, man. Derek. I think he hasn't played too bad. He's got the only, he had the only sack last week. Uh, I guess if you feel like you don't deserve it, don't take it. But if the coaches feel you deserve it, you probably ought to take it. Because if I'm a coach, I ain't giving it to you a second time. Hey, you know what? Kudos to him, though. You know, he's he was offered a black shirt. He turns it down, and he knows that he can get better. So I would love to see Ben Stilley get better because I, I already think he's a beast. I'm not as harsh on him as uh, Tyler is right now. And also, I got to say, Lamar Jackson, how huge is that? This dude, this dude went from getting benched, and we kind of speculated here, maybe amongst ourselves, maybe not on the podcast, but amongst ourselves, that he could be one of those guys that could transfer after that four-week period. Man, that dude stuck around and he got better. And now he's turned into that lockdown corner that Tyler was kind of talking about earlier on in the year. So kudos to that man. I don't know about yeah. lockdown corner, but he's looked a lot better. That's for sure. He's looked, yeah, uh, okay. I, I, don't think, I don't think it was just our best corner. I, I don't think it was just us. I think there was a lot of Husker Nation that were thinking he could be easily transferring after he got benched. But uh, anyway, be that as it may, he, he, he's a black shirt and he played great. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Oh, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I agree. I don't know if the gap between him and DiCaprio is that much anymore. Um, I am a little shocked that Frost passed them out after the first victory. I, I feel like that's a little bit riding the wave a little bit too much. But uh, um, I'm happy for the guys that I, I said. They all deserve Even Ben Stilley probably deserved it. So, Well, you know, we talked about it earlier. It was three good quarters of, fo- of football from the defense. I think they deserved him. I think it was a good thing they handed him out. Last call to you, Derek. Uh, I know we don't usually get into NBA talk till the playoffs, but, oh, my dreams are coming true. 
LeBron James sucks in their own three. They had two players suspended for fighting in the second game. Oh, the Lakers just look like a dumpster fire, and I love it. All right, correction. LeBron James doesn't suck. The Lakers suck. Okay, so take it back. He sucks. Yeah, um, uh, I don't know how bad it sucks, but I mean, I do like that LeBron James has the back of the Rockets players more than his own team. He goes and hugs Chris Paul, makes sure Chris Paul doesn't get suspended. Maybe you should have prevented for Rajon Rondo from spitting in his face. That may have been the better move, champ. Hey, okay, and other LeBron news. Did you see that he's going to produce a Friday the 13th remake? I'm excited for that. It's 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 almost Halloween. That's you know awesome, what? right? I I would be excited if he played Jason. He, he I mean, that, that fucker coming at you. That's a big man. Like that would be scary. <laughs> he would be the scariest Jason for sure. <laughs> I seen a Jason that could jump that high. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for that, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> He's got the same amount of hair though, so. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Jason doesn't have any tattoos. <laughs> All right. Hey, last call to me. All right. And I'm going to bring it back to college football a little bit because we saw something this weekend that was truly magnificent. It was uh, the Michigan, Michigan State feud. You know, Jim Harbaugh and Mark D'Antonio are going at it because Michigan State's little uh, antics. Their stormtrooper march where they sweep the field pregame. They do it. This is their tradition. They always do it. But some Michigan players refuse to get off the field after being told. Eh, little skirmishes, minor skirmishes kind of happened. And Michigan player, you know, trying to stomp the stomp the green off the center of the field. Hey, you know what? All that did is reignite that that uh, that that rivalry there. It was entertaining. You got two Big Ten coaches going at each other's throats, talking smack to each other. It's great for Big Ten football, Tyler. It is. I, I will say this. You know, I, Harbaugh had to win that game. He had to beat Michigan State. Um, I really wish he wouldn't have. I would have loved to seen his irate ass freak out after that game if they were lost again. But yeah. um Michigan won. It, it's going to continue to be an interesting rivalry. I, I, my favorite thing, part of that was the quote from Michigan linebacker who says, sometimes you just need to put your little brother back in place. So uh, it, it's it's pretty entertaining from the outside. Sure. That's a Bush League take, Tyler. Just Bush League. You know? <laughs> this is great for college football. Anytime you get a rivalry where they do this, it's just awesome. Like, I love it. I love rivalries that get heated like this. I wish they'd fight before every game. I don't care. Just let them do it. Oh, we should play twice a year. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So we'll see how that – all eyes on that game next year for sure. All right, guys, it's time to get out of here. It's been a great episode, fun episode. Uh, let's whoop uh, Bethune-Cookman's ass here. But, uh, hey, big thanks to Adam McClintock for joining us tonight. It's always awesome when he comes on the show. I love his knowledge. Hey, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for our episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Huskerhype.com. All feedback is welcome. Let us know how you like the show. Help us out and share the episode. Get our show out there. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red.
is built to accomplish a lot, and I'm looking forward to helping it get back there. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs>